Well, hello, my entrepreneurial friends. I have a very special program that I'd like to introduce you to, and you have a short time to act. It is called Second Half Strong. It's strategic advisory, coaching, and accountability so that you can finish 2022 maximizing your profitability. What is it? Well, we're going to develop new ideas, generate more profitable sales, incubate new or additional business opportunities to your core business, improve existing products, services, or methods, create new products, or we're going to really make you super productive and get you extremely intentional. And that is how you will maximize profitability. This is for US-based business owners with a million dollars or more in annual revenue who have implemented Profit First. And this is a program that you should expect a 6x to 10x return on this coaching opportunity. There's lots of sessions in it. Again, there's a monthly strategic advisory session. You get one-on-one coaching sessions. You show up every day to sprint on your business for one hour a day. You have daily accountability check-ins with your accountability advisor. You have connect and collaborate sessions with your fellow entrepreneurs. And we will have weekly Power 30 sessions. Oh, and did I mention you get to come to a very special event November 30th through December 1st in Southern California with myself and Mike Michalowicz and our fellow Second Half Strong members. This is going to really make your second half the best and most profitable second half you've ever seen in your business. If you'd like to join us, check out secondhalfstrong.com. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced profit first strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Today is a special episode. It is an episode where we have a guest sharing their profit first journey. We have Joe Wellborn of Carbon Marine. Welcome, Joe. Hi, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Very cool. Uh, So we always start off with the same question. How'd you hear about Profit First? I knew you were going to ask me this. So it goes back, I think, about three years ago. I, I think I heard about it on a podcast. And I thought, hmm, that's an interesting concept. I immediately got it because of my first foray into college was into accounting. And I realized it was kind of boring and I didn't want to do that. So I changed to computer science. Uh, so I made a mental note and I just started digging in. Um, at that point, I'd been in business about 12 years and just a classic cash flow management by 
checking your bank account every morning at five o'clock in the morning. Just, you know, I was a classic example of that. So I downloaded the audible book, listened to it uh, on my way. I was flying out to um, uh, Wyoming to elk hunt and I listened to it on the way out there and on the way back. And then there was a lot of stuff that I needed to see in the book. So I bought the book and, you know, fell down the profit first rabbit hole. Um, a little bit of a false start in the beginning uh, because I just didn't implement it correctly, backed up and said, you know what, let me hire a professional. And I reached out to um, a profit first professional, also needed a bookkeeper at that point. Our bookkeeper wasn't very good. The bookkeeper we hired was a profit first professional, uh, got our chart of accounts cleaned up, got us cut over to profit first, and it's changed my life. Like it, literally, I think it saved my company. I, I, I don't think I would be here if I hadn't made a change. Wow, that's quite quite a testament there. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about pre-profit first. So kind of at that stage, you mentioned that you had a bookkeeper, but it, they weren't a very good bookkeeper. So kind of, can we unpack that a little bit? Sure, sure. So you, it's classic entrepreneurial story. If you've ever read, um, oh, the book escapes me right now, but you, the classic entrepreneur, you're stuck in your business. Like every day is crisis. The e-myth. The e-myth, yeah. Yes, the e-myth, absolutely, yeah. yep. Mandatory reading. So I, I read that first. I, I was exposed to that first, and I was just trying to start to get my head around processes. And I knew the way I was managing cash flow was insufficient. But I didn't. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I walk in every day. You know, our business has grown from nothing. I started on my kitchen table 15 years ago, and you know every year it doubles, doubles, doubles. But you're still grinding. And I was the classic entrepreneur grinding. And not paying attention, and I, I use this analogy because I think it resonates with anybody, and, and it's simple to understand. When I discovered Profit First, envision this. I'm in a car. I'm driving 100 miles an hour down a dirt road in the dark, no lights, no dash lights, and all of a sudden, once I finished Profit First Audible, it's like somebody turned on the dash lights, and my gas gauge was on E, my oil temperature or oil gauge was on E, my my radiator temperature is overheating and I'm about to run in off the road into a ditch and a, and a giant forest of trees and the lights came on just in time and I saved it. So that's literally how it come to be. Um, but it got that way because, you know, as a small business owner, you, you, I always focused on what am I putting in the bank, right? I always tell people I can't deposit. I, I can only put a dollar amount and deposit what I collect. So I've just hyper-focused on generating revenue, generating revenue, generating revenue. But I wasn't taking care of where the revenue was going. And I just, you know, I was leaking. I was a, I was a boat with a bunch of holes in it and not paying attention to where the money was going, just looking blindsidedly at revenue. And all of a sudden, I've got a $300,000, $400,000 company. And in December of 19 we were at 492000 in revenue. I had six employees and I was illiquid. I was out of cash. I had no cash. I was completely illiquid. Wow. And I just woke up and that's right after we, our profit first consultant had got our books cleaned up and, and, and I'm like, I got to make some tough decisions. And payroll was 192000 of the 492 gross, mm -hmm. which is horrible. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, ripped the company into category, vertical categories. Said, looked at every desk, looked at every category, product category, and realized I had a couple categories I was bleeding out of my eyes, and payroll was significantly higher than it should have been. So I, I kept my best guy, and I doubled his pay, and I let everybody else go, and I literally went. You know, my wife and kids were 
were off um, traveling because my daughter's a celebrity chef and she had just won um, Chop Junior. So they were off visiting their oh, family in the Philippines. Wow. Yep. So they were gone. So it was just me and now my insolvent company. So I sat at my kitchen table and, you know, ramen noodles and leftovers for two weeks, just trying to figure out how do I stay liquid and sold some things and mm-hmm. got through it. But then I realized I have to pay attention. Uh, like the bookkeeping is absolutely essential. So we sh- structured the company into product verticals, and then we started paying attention. What's the margins in each one of those verticals? And we discovered some of the things that we thought were really good books of business were horrible. We were losing $65,000 a year. Mm. And and I just said, this is, this, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I like to think I'm a little smarter than the average guy, but I wasn't, you know, I was just not paying attention. So we cut, we cut half of our offerings off, done. We just walked away from the business, looked at what we were best at that had the highest barrier to entry that we were known for throughout the world, and we doubled down on those categories, and we just started tracking. We just started tracking where's the money going, set up profit first, set up our, our um, the various accounts. I'm not going to get in too deep into the woods on the mechanics of profit first, but setting up our allocations and then just adhering to our allocations and adhering to the process and within within a year completely turned the company around from having no cash to having over i think it was about 142,000 in cash net profitability at 24.5% if my memory's correct 24.6 something like that like a complete turnaround like my bookkeeper and accountants they couldn't believe it they're like we you know we we thought you were gone we didn't think you were going to make it wow. and this is all going into covid Mm. So we saw a little bit of a revenue downturn in COVID, but our profitability skyrocketed because I started paying attention to where the money was going. And had I not implemented profit first in the allocations and disciplined myself to spend within the allocations, and, and the allocations are you know, also set to our industry and what effective gross margins should be. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it changed my life. Wow. Big, big change. Clearly, and that's amazing. And it sounds like, you know, I, I loved your analogy of you were driving in a on a dark road, in the dark, n- no lights on your dashboard, no headlights, just just blind. So let's kind of like go back to that that stage and stuff. You did have a bookkeeper. So tell us about that bookkeeping relationship back then. Were they just like, you know, reconciling your accounts and not not sharing the reports with you? Like, where do you think? Yeah. So, so the reports, there was a couple things. Number one, I wasn't asking the right questions because you know, if you're the owner of your company, you're the driver, not your bookkeeper, not your accountant. You're the driver. You're ultimately responsible for what comes out of the financial statements. So number one, I wasn't, I wasn't asking for the right information. And, and then secondly, I, you know, without sounding too disparaging, I just had the wrong bookkeeper. You know, I had a company that, they were a bookkeeping company, but all they did was just input data into QuickBooks Online is the system we use. And um, they weren't generating P&Ls. They weren't generating um, balance sheets. You know, they were just saying, okay, you know, all your books are here. You can go look at them when you want. And and I wasn't getting any live feedback on, you know, where, where are we relative to the metrics or the KPIs for our industry? You know, each industry has got its own set of measurement data that says, okay, this is a healthy you know, parameter and this is an unhealthy parameter. So I wasn't getting any of that feedback. And it was, it's my fault. I'm not casting judgment or blame on anybody. It's, it's, it ultimately ends with me. But that, you know, as an entrepreneur, the, the biggest disservice you can do to yourself is to pretend that other people are going to help you 
that other people are going to do this for you without you asking the questions. You have to ask the questions. And I wasn't asking the questions. That's how I got there. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself because, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So, I mean, lesson learned, most bookkeepers and accountants, probably 95 or more percent of them out there are really just reconciliation and compliance focus. They're just wanting to put things in the right box and they don't really understand the big picture. They don't understand anything past that and such. So there is a tremendous difference between just a run-of-the-mill bookkeeper or accounting firm and a certified profit-first professional firm where you get that compliance, getting it in the right box and such, but you also get that consultative analysis and such, because I mean, you know, they're the ones really kind of in the numbers and such. And so you need, you need a guide. And, th- and that's why we've got Profit First Professionals to help guide entrepreneurs in navigating the road to permanent profitability. So not uncommon, but I'm glad that we can, you know, illustrate clearly between the difference between common accounting, which is just, you know, kind of leaving you in the dark it's compliant, but it's not doing any good or any purpose for you versus working with a profit first professional. And I mean, let's give a shout out to Angie Knoll. She is your profit first professional. She's a mastery certified profit first professional with Reconciled Solutions. And um, actually, she's been on this podcast before, and I should have pulled up what that episode was, but uh, we'll put uh, Angie's episode in the visual recap for you guys um, so that you can catch that too. Now, you got your books cleaned up with Reconciled Solutions, and then you got some clarity about things, and then you realized, wow, payroll was you know 192000 almost 50% of your total gross revenue, and you immediately made some decisions right there that you knew that you had to cut, cut payroll. So um, can you kind of talk us through why you think you got to six employees or what your intention was getting having six employees versus then you went down to one employee and sounds like that was the best move you made. Yeah. So I think the delusion that we as entrepreneurs get drawn into is that bigger is better. And I'm going to reflect back on another book that didn't come back to focus in my mind's eye until later. And it was a gentleman that wrote a book called Small Giants. And uh, I read this book about seven years ago, and it was about companies that decided to focus on being small than being big. So the, the the fallacy that I fell into, and that I think most people fall into, my family's been in small business, and they, I saw my mother make the same mistake, is bigger is better. And when I say bigger, I'm referring to revenue. You know, everybody grow revenue, grow store count, grow head count, you know, just grow, 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 grow. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the matter is, if you really get back into the e-myth, if the quality of your business is not very good, meaning the turns and, and the margins and what you're keeping as a small business owner is not good, all you're doing is killing yourself faster by trying to grow faster. And I got caught up in that trap. And I think it's a trap that's a little bit um, egotistical and you know, not to sound overly harsh, but you know we all have values and we're measuring the world against these values, whether they're artificial or they're, they're factual. And I think we get we get jaded by the entertainment components of the media. We get jaded by all these cultural influences that, you know, you're not successful if you don't have a $10 million chain. Well, you know, the reality of the matter is now we're just shy of a million dollars in revenue. When we, when we converted over to profit first, we were at 492 and barely profitable and a train wreck just waiting to 
fell off the tracks. And now our profitability is higher than it's ever been. We make fewer skews than we've ever made because it, we, we sat back and realized that focus is better than than size. And I think also too, you know, profit first and and working with a profit first professional gives you a little bit of accountability too, um, because like you said, it, it's hard sometimes that you get distracted and you 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 don't work on your business and such. But the the allocation rhythms, working with a certified profit first professional who's going to go over your reporting with you and provide you with with some sort of um, you know feedback on that and such is, is just, is really important. But, but like you said, you, you have to be the driver on the podcast. We've talked about you, you've got to pull your head out of the sand, but you've got to own your financials. You have to drive your business. You have to drive your numbers and your financials. And I think those are all um, just like, cannot be reiterated enough um, that you set aside that time to work on your business. So can I, can I interrupt for just a moment? I oh, want to I want to speak to something I think is really important because in hindsight, I remember having this feeling and fighting it, really fighting it, and then in hindsight after we got past and I the systems implemented and I I'm I'm yielding, you know, we're 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 harvesting the fruit of the system. I remember losing sleep at night saying, "Wow, I'm going to pay somebody that doesn't know my business." A lot of money, right? It, it's it's not inexpensive to me. It wasn't inexpensive because I was cash to solve it. But I I saw through the plan. I said, you know what? If this works, it's going to change my life. If it doesn't work, I'm still insolvent, so it doesn't matter, right? I'm I'm kind of at an asymmetrical position in the curve here. I've you know I got to go for this. And I remember just saying to myself, man, that's a lot of money. And my wife saying, man, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm a risk taker. I'm going to go for it. And and I convinced myself to spend the money to hire the professional hire the profit first professional in the beginning you're not going to like it it's like paying the tr- paying the trainer you know x amount of dollars a month and you're still overweight and you're still not strong but 2 years later you're going to look back and go it's the best money i ever spent like literally it was the best money i've ever spent and that's super important because i've got other friends that are in business been in business a long time and i've tried to convert them to profit first and they'll listen and they buy the book and they don't they don't hire the professional and then i go back and check on them later and they're like ah you know it just it just didn't work for us i'm like yeah because you don't have anybody to hold you accountable and that's what was so powerful about having that professional is that angie you know, the, my, my allocated time to sit down with her would come up and I'm like, man, I got so many other things I need to work on. I got so many other revenue opportunities I got to convert. Man, I got to get on this call. And, I, you know, I'd begrudgingly, I'd get on the call and then all of a sudden she'd reveal something about our numbers that were amazing or she'd show me something that would would you know make me feel better. And then I, and I realized, hey, this is why I hired the professional because they're there to hold you accountable because you're not holding yourself accountable. And that's why you're in that position to begin with. Exactly. And I really appreciate you kind of making that soapbox uh, stand on that. Yeah, I think that is probably like the biggest um, sort of a hindrance, hindrance, because I yeah. see it and I hear it. It's a hindrance and it's self, it's, a, it's like a self-inflicted wound because the people that need this the most don't understand what it's like on the other side. They just right. don't understand how easy your life can be if it's set up properly. And and it and really you've got to look at it as an investment and you then need to work on getting a return on that investment. Working with a profit first professional is you making an investment on your business to turn it into more profitable. 
Um, and, and you should easily be able to get, you know, a six X to 10 X return on that profitability. I mean, you, within a year you, I mean, you probably, I I don't want to like guess the numbers, but you easily six X or 10 X the investment that you made in working with Angie when you ended up with over a hundred thousand dollars in net profit. Yeah. So the other thing that makes it really beneficial is all of a sudden you, you're, you'll start getting outside validation that you have a company, right? When you start going down and, and adhering to the profit first standards, there's so many people that say, you know, they, they go out and they present to the world, you know, I'm, I own my own company and I'm my own boss, right? But, but really what's that mean? You know, most people think that they're their own boss. Most people think they own their own company, but really they own their job. They own their job. So if you're not working to set up your financial systems and your cash flow systems and your your work your work product, how, how you do your work so that you can pull yourself out for healthy healthy vacations and healthy time off to reset, to keep your creative juices and your entrepreneurial spirit healthy, um, you don't own a company. You own your job. And that's not a very good place to be if you have an exit strategy later in life because – Nobody wants to buy your job. They want to buy your company, and they want to buy your company because it's got established profitability. It's it's got recognized KPIs relative to other players in your verticals industry, and they can benchmark it against somebody else and determine, hey, if I buy this, it's going to yield X amount of return for what I'm going to spend on it. And if you're not if you're not working at the cash flow management level, and at the bookkeeping level, and at the accounting level to establish those benchmarks, you know, accounts, KPIs when it comes time for you to exit, you're going to be in for a rude awakening because nobody's going to write you a check to buy your job. They want to buy a business. Exactly. Um, and so, I mean, you, you're you like a, a, a perfect case study on profit first and getting on the path to permanent profitability. And I just want to like reiterate that, you know, when you got your books cleaned up, when you started working with a profit first professional, the first aha was let's cut expenses. There's only two ways to increase profitability. That's decreased expenses and increased margin. And so number one, you decreased expenses. You just eliminated um, several employees who weren't really producing a return on their payroll. And then uh, the second thing is you focused on margin and you eliminated those uh, lost leaders and those SKUs that just weren't doing anything for you. And it sounds like you might've raised prices a little bit or done something in order to um, also kind of maximize that margin. We did. We ended up doing all of that and, and we... We did it all with confidence because once we had confidence in our books, once we could look at, let's just say, one of our categories is um, push pulls. A lot of people don't know what that means, but I'm just going to—I know this one the best. And we sell B two B and we sell B two C. So the challenge with serving both B two B, B two B's business to business wholesale, and B two C direct to the consumer is that the pricing structure is different. And the wholesale side of the channel, they're expecting you to forego some margin because they're going to buy more, right? They're going to drive your revenue number, but you're going to get less margin on it. And I actually had to, this was, this was a tough decision. And, and at that point, my, my only staff member looked at me and he's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, we have to do it. We don't have a choice. We actually fired customers. Mm-hmm. We, we, went in, we went in and let go of the customers that was causing us the most amount of grief, time, resources that were yielding the least amount of return and you know without getting off on a tangent that's the pumpkin patch mm-hmm. right right and i started practicing that after we got profit first launched and i could go look at the numbers and say with confidence 
wow, I'm spending 80% of my time on this class of, of customers, but I'm only getting a, you know, effectively a 20% margin. Well, that's not good. So we come up with a model that took our B2C business. It's about 5446. We're 54 B2C, 54 B2B. Okay. And we came up we came up with a model that said, all right, if we want our effective company margins to be X, then we know the wholesale margins are going to be lower than the retail margins. So we went back to our wholesale customers and said, look, you can't no, you can no longer call us an order one. You're a wholesale account. If you're a wholesale account, you got to order five. Mm. It was out of control. We had a 20% slice of our business that we're, get, we're getting one-off orders from a wholesale account with a, effectively a 15, 20% margin. And I finally just shut it down. Excellent. And we started setting wholesale minimums and, and it, it, it made the good accounts better. And it, and we, we lost the bad accounts and I never looked back. And that's a hard lesson because it sounds a little ruthless and it sounds a little cold, but um, uh, unfortunately those people are taking advantage of you. Because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, exactly that. I mean, you know, we do the same thing in, in our construction material supply business. I mean, if someone is just like not answering their phone, not paying their bills, like there's a problem there and we don't do future projects with them. Um, right. The writing's on the wall. So that was really brilliant of you to insert a minimum order a threshold for your customers. And then kind of you were able to draw a line in the sand between your your bueno and your no bueno customers. And, you know, letting those no bueno customers really sounds like it kind of freed up your time too, to, I mean, more than double the business in three years. So this is amazing story. So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, Joe. If you would like to work with a certified profit first professional accountant, bookkeeper or coach, then please go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. And if you would like to join our second half strong program that is running July 1st through December 31st, it includes, like Joe was talking about, um, working on your business. So we set aside an hour every day where we host sprints where you're working on your business. We have monthly strategic advisory sessions. You'll get one-on-one coaching sessions. Uh, and then uh, we've got daily accountability check-ins on top of the daily sprints. And you'll have opportunities to connect and collaborate in our community with other entrepreneurs who have 10 or more employees and a million dollars or more in real revenue. And we also have weekly Power 30 sessions where you can bring your questions, you can bring your concerns, you can bring whatever you want to the table. And we do some ad hoc uh, consulting and coaching on that as well. So go to Second Half Strong to check that out. That's secondhalfstrong.com. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. 